Hey, welcome to Infused Church in 2022. It's great to be back with you in person uh, and online. Uh, and we're starting a new series today for maybe, I think, three weeks uh, called It's Time. And uh, I wanted to start off by uh, acknowledging something that I have shared before. This is not new information if you've been here for a while, um, but uh, if, if you're kind of newer here, this could be new information. Uh, when, when I am driving... I will confess that I am not the greatest Christian that ever lived. I am more accurately a subpar Christian while driving. I am not great at following the great commandment of loving your neighbor while driving. And I don't claim to be the best role model as a parent for my kids while driving. Uh, in fact, there's a number of times Stephanie has to look at, look at me and be like, uh, you know, was that worth saying, especially because you're in a car and they can't hear you, uh, but your kids can. Uh, and it's a great question. It's a great question that I need to do some inner soul searching about. Um, this is a shared experience, though. I, I have no doubt you know what I'm talking about when I say that moment when you come up to a stop sign or a stoplight. And you're not first. There's a car in front of you, maybe two cars in front of you. Uh, but there's, it, it always seems to happen when there's just a single car in front of you. And you're at the red light and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting on the Coralville Strip. And then the light turns green, finally, and the car doesn't go. What are they doing? Yeah, yeah. You think they're texting. They're probably binge-watching Netflix, but, you know, they're catching <laughs> reruns of some show or something like that. But, yeah, absolutely. And what is the good Jesus follower thing to do in that moment? Wow, oh, oh, there was no question about that. Yes, yes. But it's about duration. It is honking the horn, but it is about duration. A good Christian would do something like this. Doot. You know? And then they like, oh, and then you're like, have a blessed day, you know. Uh, some of you want to use a different finger, but, you know, blessed day, okay. Uh, for me, personally, though, uh, I'm the kind of person that just kind of wants to make it awkward, wants to make it really uncomfortable, and wants everybody in line to know they messed up. So it's more like a, ah, and then we're still going through the intersection, ah, you know. Yeah, um, I call it preaching. <laughs> yes, just really letting them have it. No, that's my temptation. That is what I want to do, but it's not what I actually do do. However, and this has yet to happen, but if it does, I just want to fair warn you. If any of you have this on your back window, this window cling that says Infused Church on there, just know if this happens and I'm behind you, I will be preaching, Okay. <laughs> Yes, and I look forward to that day because I care about you and I expect more from you. And these are available for $5 in the back. Okay, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so today, uh, it may feel a little bit like um, I'm laying on the horn a bit. It may feel like Jesus is laying on the horn a bit because we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that's just <laughs> really uncomfortable. I actually never thought I'd preach on it. I thought, oh, this is a fascinating and tension-filled moment in Jesus' ministry. Uh, I don't know how I'll ever weave, weave this into a sermon, but then I just really felt like that's what I was supposed to talk about today, so that's what we're doing. Um, but the reason that we're doing that, the reason we're laying on the horn a bit today is because we all have a new year in front of us, um, and I think there's more at stake for your year and our year together um, than just crossing an intersection. 
right, than just, just going when the light turns green. Um, because every year is full of choices, it's full of decisions, it's fo- full of challenges and complications. And I think if we move forward into that with the right perspective, with the right um, understanding of our time and our opportunities, we'll all be better for it. Ultimately, what I hope more or less you'll take away from this series is that this may be the year when it's time to go because the light is green. The light is green and it's time to go, but you're not going. You're not going. We're not going. Then you sit there and say, well, Taylor, I get kind of where you're getting at. You know, there's things that come up in life and we get busy and all that kind of stuff. And I'm talking about that. And I get that you're busy. I get you things, I get you got a lot of things going on. I get you got a lot of checklists to, you know, check off. You got a lot of kids to get to the right places at the right time, so on and so forth. But how many of us are stuck in some of the same routines we've been stuck in for years, right? We fall into the same pitfalls. We have the same pet peeves. We get distracted by the same things. We have the same financial burdens we had like five years ago and nothing's really changed. We have the same arguments, the same way over and over again. And especially, especially when it comes to our approach to faith and Jesus, how many of us have the same approach this year or no plans to change our approach than any year before? And maybe you've been doing a great job of following Jesus. Maybe you're the type of Christian that just goes, You know, but maybe there's areas of your life where you're really stuck and the light has been green. The light's been green for so long, but you're just sitting at the intersection, not moving. And you take the same approach to faith and Christianity that you always have taken. And the unfortunate thing about that is it generally doesn't affect you. It affects you, but it doesn't just affect you, I should say. It affects everybody else, too. It affects the people in your car, at the intersection with you, and it affects all those people behind you because they don't have the opportunity to move forward because you're holding up the line. So for a minute, probably for way too long, I want to talk about this analogy of the intersection. So everybody kind of put yourself in the car, at the intersection, stoplight or stop sign, whatever you want to imagine, okay? My pastoral experience from doing this for a while is that the vast majority of us, we drive up to the line and we stop. And we don't want to move because it's easier to stay where we are. It's cheaper to stay where we are, consumes less gas, And honestly, it's just more comfortable. You can hop on Netflix if you just stay where you are. You you may try, but you shouldn't if you move through this intersection. And and it's always easier, like all these examples that I use year in, week out, and year in, out, and it's always easier to see this on other people, right? It's always easier to see that she gets into the same rut year after year. She always has the same problems year after year, and she's just stuck. He always is in the same routine. He always gets angry about the same things. It's the same thing. And it's easier to see that in other people, isn't it? Full well knowing that if it's so easy to see in other people, it's probably equally as true about us, especially when it comes to faith. In my experience, right? We say things to ourselves. We say, you know, I'll I'll prioritize God more. I'll prioritize church more. I'll prioritize reading my Bible more, you know, when I have more time. I'll do it when work isn't so busy, when the kids aren't so busy. I'll join that small group when life is calmer, when things slow down. 
Or Christians, we're just as equally guilty as anybody else. You know, we say, oh, I believe in God, but we're just as good at sitting at the intersection than anybody else. Just as committed to sitting there and not committing to anything else, to not step into something that may be uncomfortable, that may require us to sacrifice, that may require us to think about things differently, and we'll just stay there just as much as anybody else in that intersection, rather than hitting the gas, rather than changing. Some of us, hear me out on this, some of us, we come to church, and I'm super glad that you're here, but I just want to be honest. This is, you know, we're, we're hitting the horn a little bit here. Okay, some of us come to church, and in our minds, in our hearts, we may think we're, you know, hey, we're coming to church, we're doing the right thing, and that's it's a good step, it's a good step. But deep down, what we're really thinking is, I'm here to let Pastor Taylor figure out my faith for me. You expect, essentially, me to be in the car behind you, stop laying on the horn, get out, and take the wheel for you, and drive you forward when you're stopped at the intersection. I mean, do you think that's a, there's, a, there's a chance that that could be you sometimes? But imagine what that would look like. Imagine if all of us, online and in person, imagine if all of us had our own car and we all pulled up to the intersection, even if it's like a four-lane intersection, okay? There's, there's quite a few cars deep at this point. And imagine if all of us had the expectation that Pastor Taylor, and this is true not just in our churches, it is in any church or any small group, you know, it's just, we just expect the leader to just kind of jump in our front seat and kind of drive us for us. Imagine how long it would take for me to drive everyone through the intersection. Not only would it take forever, but it would be mildly embarrassing. Great workout for me. I mean, I, a much needed workout for me. Driving y'all through the intersection, running back, driving through, running back, okay? But it would be kind of embarrassing, wouldn't it? I mean, like, what's going on? That's, that's so inefficient. Can they not just drive themselves through the intersection themselves? But we don't do we? We want somebody to just kind of put it out there for us and take care of it and feel good and, and just go on and go throughout our year and just know, hey, so long as I come back and the message is good and it's challenging, but not too challenging. And then, 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 we'll, then it'll be okay. But we're not moving. We personally are not moving. Or imagine the scenario where we all are in our own driver's seat and we all hit the gas Together, Imagine how much farther we could get, because that's the other thing, right? Eventually, I'm going to have to stop driving you and get out and try to go get somebody else. And so your progress is entirely limited based on my availability versus if you take personal ownership and start leading and pushing the gas yourself. Imagine the progress and the speed at which and the distance at which we could all go if we all went together. But it's hard. Growth is hard. Because generally, growth requires us to do something we've never done before. But that's what we got to do. Because if you want to grow, if we want to grow in a way we never have, we need to do something we've never done. And that's hard. That's intimidating. And that's scary. Because we're probably going to go somewhere that we've never been. And that's never easy, especially when it comes to faith. 
And some of the times these things require like a little snap or a little, you know, a little horn to kind of snap us out to get us to do something that is uncomfortable, that takes away from something else that we've prioritized for so long, that changes our routines a bit. But it's necessary, and we know it's kind of necessary for growth. Once there was a man, and, and he was uh, sitting, maybe, let's imagine, he was at an intersection. And he saw a large group of people coming. And my guess is, given the context of the story, he had probably heard of why this large group was coming. There was rumors, or maybe he had already seen why this large group was on the move. And it had to do with who was leading this group of people. And that person was rumored to be an incredible teacher. A life-changing type of a person. A type of person that if you are spending any time in proximity with this individual, your life was going to change. In fact, he was a miracle worker. And this man saw this group, and then eventually this man saw the man that all the rumors were about. His name was Jesus. And he goes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Everybody kind of stops and looks and says, okay. And Jesus looks at the man and doesn't just look at the man. I think he really looks at his heart. And he said, I would love for you to follow me. But know that the path forward is going to require you to do some things that you've never done before. It's going to require you to live in a way that is uncomfortable to what you're used to. It's different. There's not going to be a comfortable holiday in at the end of every night for us. There's not going to be an abundance of food or money for us. It's going to be contrary to what you've experienced and what you've known and what's easy for you. You're going to have to step on the gas a bit and go to a place you've never gone before. And the guy looks at Jesus and he says, never mind. And he walks away. How often is that us? We don't grow because it's uncomfortable and it's easier to stay put. Because deep down, like when we know about following Jesus, whether you come to church for a while or you've been to church a couple times, like there's just a sense. It's, it's almost like something that, that, that isn't defined. It's just this gut sense that we just know. I remember this uh, trying to wrestle with faith and figure out my own faith. I just remember, I, there's just a sense that I knew if I start to follow Jesus, my life is going to change, and I'm not sure that I'm cool with that. Not for change's sake, but because that's just what re- is required when you follow or you go in a new direction. When I think about having to be generous, when I think about having to be vulnerable with other people, when I think about having to be honest, what if I have to forgive people? What if, what if I have to cross continents for Jesus? Then I'm not so sure. It's just easier to sit and stay where I am than confront the unknown of what's before me. And so the man walks away. And as the story goes, another man was going by. And this time the roles reversed. This time Jesus was going to say to this man, you should follow me. That's what's going to happen. But what's going to happen right after that is really, really uncomfortable. It's like, ooh, uncomfortable. This is not a passage that was probably ever read to you in Sunday school. And if it was, mildly concerning. Because I don't know how many kids could process this. 
let's, cause, cause let's be honest. I mean, most adults can't process this very well. I struggle to process this, okay? So Jesus says to him, the other man's walking by. Jesus says to him, Luke chapter nine, follow me. Because that's what Jesus would always say. Hey, what are, what are you supposed to do? Follow me. Well, I got to believe. No, it's not about belief. It's about following me. Belief will come. Trust will come. Faith will come. Just start following me. Just start following me. But the man replied, Lord, hey, I, I, I would be interested in that. But let me first go and bury my father. Yeah, that, that's what probably happened in the crowd too. It was like, oh, what's Jesus gonna say? Because this other guy that just talked to Jesus, he got turned away essentially. What's Jesus gonna do? And part of you, this is at least me and I'm assuming some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, well, Jesus is gonna say, hey, don't worry about it. Catch up, take care of that and then catch up to me. But the other part of you knows that's not what's gonna happen. Like it's gonna be awkward. Whatever's gonna happen next, it's gonna be like super awkward. Some of you know what's gonna happen. It's like, it's awkward, okay? Bury my father. And the crowd is silent. The crowd is silent. What's gonna happen next? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. Ooh. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I bet some people in the crowd were like, what? Did I hear that right? Jesus sounds like he's kind of being a jerk. Like, for some of you, this is, this is why you're skeptical about faith. This verse is like this. You're like, why do you guys follow this guy? What's up with that? That doesn't even make sense. This is why I don't read the Bible. I get to verses like this and, and this happened and this happened and this is what was said and whatever. And you're like, what? I, I don't even know how to process. It's so extreme. Who would, who would at this point go, right? The light is green. Who would go and proclaim the kingdom of God after Jesus said this? Doesn't make any sense. Especially if you're here in the room today or are watching online and you've lost someone recently and you're sensitive to the, 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 the rawness and the pain of losing someone whom you care about, especially a loved one like a father. It just feels like Jesus is being so insensitive. Okay, so focus in here for a second. If you're doing laundry or doing some dishes online, just pause. Because I'm gonna point something out to you, okay? I'm not gonna get in the driver's seat of the car that you're in right now. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stand at the side and I'm gonna point you in a direction. And this is totally up to you what you choose to do with it next. Some people misconstrue Christianity and faith because of loud voices on TV and social media and stuff that, that like there's no choice in Christianity. Like you're supposed to follow Jesus. There's always a choice. That's why Jesus says, follow me. It's a choice. It's up to you. There's choice in Christianity. I cannot pressure you to follow Jesus. God cannot pressure you or chooses not to. He can't, but he chooses not to pressure you. It's an invitation. And it's up to you what you choose to do next, what direction you choose to go. You either hit the gas or slam on the brakes. That's your choice. Stay where you are or move forward. Just like this man has for a decision in this moment as well. Now, personally, I'll be honest with you. I think it's time. That's the name of the series. It's time. 
Time is moving, whether you like it or not, and I think it's time. I think it's time for each one of us to hit the gas and go forward. In some areas of your life that you've been stuck, that you've been, you know, having the same problems over and over again, you've been having the same issues over and over again, there, I think it's time to move forward. But especially in faith, especially when it comes to Jesus, especially when it comes to the areas of your life where you know you've kept things back from Jesus, you've held back, you've stayed in the comfort zone, you've stayed at the intersection, you haven't moved through. I think it's time, but it's ultimately up to you. Okay, so now I'm gonna point, okay? I'm gonna translate what Jesus means by that because there's some contention and disagreement about what Jesus means, but this is the version that I think makes the most sense and it takes into account the culture of the time. When, when, you, um, when you, a parent of you or someone, a loved one of you dies, okay? When someone that you love dies in, in those days, there would be a week of mourning where you wouldn't go out. You'd just stay in and you'd mourn the loss of the loved one, especially if it was a father. So if the father had just died, the son wouldn't have been out talking to a rabbi like Jesus walking through town. He would have been inside mourning because that was how the culture existed. The reason he's out and about is because they've actually already buried their father. Because what Jewish culture said is you would bury your father and you'd wait probably a year until all of the flesh has disintegrated and what you're left with is the bones, dust to dust. And then you go back and you rebury the bones in like an ossuary and a va- uh, 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 like what we would call a vase and, and you'd put it in a, in a burial tomb. And there'd be lots and lots of people in maybe one tomb, for example. And so what this, what this man is saying is, I, I'm in the middle of this burial process, sometime in the middle of this process. And so Jesus, I need you to hold on. I want to follow you, but I need, I, I need to hold on until I get this thing done. And it could be months. It could be upwards of a year before this man is able to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, well, let's go say you go and do this. You rebury the bones. You're gone for a few months. What's going to be the end result? Your dad's still going to be dead. It's like, well, that's a little harsh, but it's also the truth. Nothing's going to change. What's going to change? Nothing. Young man, you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow relationally. You're not going to grow spiritually. You're not going to mature through this process. But right now you have an opportunity. And if you miss this opportunity, what do you bet you're going to miss? Everything. I get it. It's about burying your father, but what's going to change? Nothing. The dead's dead. But what are you going to miss? Maybe everything. Jesus says, I'm not, I'm not focused on death. I bring life. And if you're worried about your loved ones and their eternity, then I'm your guy. Start with me because it's time to go. It's time to go. And you're getting stuck in death. And I think that was Jesus' broader point here. You're getting caught up in death. And death doesn't just mean my life is no longer over. Death means when things are destroyed, when life is not flourishing, when life is not growing and being maximized. 
It's when things are broken, when things are gone, when things are unhealthy, when you live in fear or worry, insecurity or sin, when sin is, what, what is sin? When you miss the mark with God or others. Essentially, when you harm other people, God's children, God's creation, or when you direct harm towards God, when you miss the mark relationally and lovingly with God or other people, that is sin. That is death. When you are stuck at an intersection, frozen and not moving, that could be death. Because you're missing what's in front of you. You're missing the opportunity in front of you. And that's not living. That's not Jesus. And deep down, guess what? You know that. You know that in death, there is brokenness. There is injustice. There is a fear. And you don't like it. That's why those kinds of things, brokenness and fear and lies and deceit and, and, um, and harm and hurt, all those things, they make you frustrated, right? You push back again that. That gets you upset. And rightly so. It should get you upset because it's bad. It's death, but yet we hold on to it. Oh, we hold on to it. We let it define our days. We let it define our weeks. We let it define months at a time, years, seasons of our lives. We hold on to that which is not giving us life, but holding us back. And we'll sit there and turn a blind eye to opportunity around us, close our ears to the truth around us, and we miss it. Hopefully this is a helpful kind of analogy to you. But I want you to imagine two buckets, okay? I want you to imagine two buckets. And on one bucket is life. Everything you would associate with life. Generally speaking, that is defined in the Bible, okay? What they mean by life. Life is things like um, uh, of health, of hope, uh, perseverance, wisdom, love, mercy, patience, forgiveness, faith, all these things, character, all these things are life. And you feel that too, don't you? Like when I list those things off, you're like, those are good things. Like the more of those things are in my life, are in the lives of the people around me, the better things are. Exactly. That is life. That's what Jesus wants to bring. And then imagine the other bucket. The other bucket is what we would call death. Things that are broken, unhealthy, things that are gone, things that make us anxious or fearful or worry, bring insecurity to ourselves, make us doubt our value and our identity. Lies, selfishness, death bucket. Now, imagine those two buckets. You can close your eyes if this is helpful. But I want you, I want you to answer honestly to yourself, what's the real reason What's the real reason you haven't gone back to school? Is the reason, the real reason that you haven't gone back to school, is it in the life bucket or is that reason in the death bucket? Is it because you haven't been able to get your finances in order? Is it because you tell yourself you're too busy, but really you're just not prioritizing what matters most, what's really important? Why, let's be honest, watch it online. Why, why has money so defined your life, defined your career? Why is it? Is the reason money is so important to you, is it in the life bucket or the death bucket? Is it your insecurity that's speaking that makes you hoard and, and build up? Because deep down, you're just kind of insecure. What if something goes wrong? You live in fear. 
Or is the real reason you save and, and, it, and money defines all the decisions you make, is it really in the life bucket? Is it because you want to love better? Because it builds character? You see where I'm getting with this? Why is it your, your romantic life or lack thereof so controls you? Is the reason, is a real honest with yourself reason in the death bucket or the life bucket? Is it brokenness? Is it how other people have treated you? Maybe the household you were raised in and the context there, is that the reason you can't live alone? You're not confident with yourself? Or is it really a life reason? Come on, you know the answer. Why is it that you always think the grass is greener on the other side? Is it a life reason or a death reason? Why is it you stay in that relationship that's one-sided, that lacks commitment and direction? Is the real reason because a death reason or a life reason? The reason seems trivial, but it really makes a difference. Why aren't you leading a small group? Why aren't you in a small group? Do you really, like, really not have time? Is it a life or a death reason? Why don't you give? Why don't you be baptized? Why don't you be generous? Why don't you go serve at a food bank? What's the reason? Life, Jesus reason, or the alternative? Why not now? Why not this year? Why not trust Jesus today? Is the real reason a life or a death reason? When I was trying to figure out faith, um, I I was pretty active um, agnostic uh, theist, technically. Um, so I didn't know what God there was, but there was probably a God, but I wasn't willing to put him in a bucket, et cetera. Okay. And, and so I would actually, the way I, I lived that out is I would try to disprove Christianity. And so I would read book for atheists. I would debate Christians. Okay. Um, and I was thinking on this last night while I was writing this and, and I realized, um, when I debated people, uh, when I argued to disprove Christianity, I always took from the life bucket. And it's like, yeah, but you're disproving Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but how I went about it was with kindness, was with patience, with grace, in pursuit of truth, which is all in the life bucket. I would not use lies. I would not use anger. I would not use fear to try to disprove Christianity. I would always use the life bucket. And I think that was one of the big reasons why eventually I came back to faith in Jesus is because so many of the books I read, so many of the conversations I had among an atheist or agnostic kind of subsection of our society always seemed to try to pull from the death bucket to make their point. And I just felt in my heart there was just something innately wrong with that. I didn't want to use fear to make my point. I didn't want to harm the value of another person to get my point across. Like is so common in, in our political realm today. I wanted to build people up. I wanted to be honest and find truth ultimately to pursue truth. And that my friends is in the life bucket. And the more and more I leaned on the life bucket, I think the closer and closer I got to Jesus because I didn't sit at the intersection. That was the difference. I didn't sit at the intersection. I hit the gas towards disproving Christianity, but I only took from the life bucket. And the more and more I wanted life, the more and more I was drawn to the one who gives it, Jesus. 
Jesus is saying, I want, I want to go and I want you to go too. And yet we're sitting there hitting the brakes when it's uncomfortable and scary. But if we want to, if we want to grow in a way we never have, we need to do something we've never done before. And we tell ourselves, ah, I don't know what's going to happen. We tell ourselves, you know, we're just too busy and all the other things that the excuses, right? And in the process, come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Whether it's in our whole life or in certain areas of our lives, we are missing the way. We are missing the truth. We are missing the life that we can have in Jesus. Jesus said, follow. And every day we don't, every day we forget, every day we miss it, we miss out. We miss new opportunities. We miss going back to school because that's what Jesus gets at. He gets at the heart. He gets at the insecurities. He gets at the sin. He gets at the lies. He gets at the lack of truth in our own lives and he wants to fix it. He wants to make it right. And so then when we look at opportunities in front of us like school and all those other things that are not bad, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just when we get our heart right, when we get our life right, life is in the life bucket right, then everything else just works better. We need to stop trying to change habits and routines and patterns and moods. You know, then there's books for that and there's health, self-help for all that stuff. And this year, what if we let Jesus change our heart? Do you think it would be easier to change than our habits? You bet. And I'm not against habits. I've done a whole series on habits, creatures of habits. You can go watch it online. There's value in habits but it's so much easier if we get this right first. My friends, it's time to go. Let 2022 be the time to go. The time to not hold back. Christian, trying to figure it out, first time back in church, first time watching online, I don't care. Just go, just seek truth, seek life, and see if that brings you to Jesus. Because my bet is, it may take you years to do that. We've had people at Infuse, it's taken years. It's almost taken the entire existence of Infuse Church which is only six years to find Jesus. And that's okay, but I want you to go because you're not gonna find it if you stay, if you hit the brakes and you stop. It's time to go. The light is green. The light is green. So what does that look like for you in 2022? Think about it. What, what if this year you went to 50 out of 50 services? I don't even know if I'm going to go to 50, 50 infused church services this year. But what if you did? Do you think it would hurt? No, you know it won't. You know it would help. You know it would make a difference. I just got done this last year doing a, a Bible reading plan in the Bible app. It's the Bible in a year through the Bible project. And I tell you, there was, even as a pastor, I sat there and I'm like, oh, there's going to be such boring part. Just wait till I get to the book of Numbers. Oh my gosh, it's just going to drag and drag and drag. It's going to be so annoying. I'm going to get so bored with reading the Bible. And I'm a pastor. I'm going to get so bored. And then there's going to be awkward stuff. And I'm going to have to wrestle with it. And it's just, I don't know. I was skeptical, okay? But I'm just telling you, by the time I got to the end of the year, every day I wake up and I'm like hungry. I want to read more. I want to do my devotional every day because it's just, it's so life-giving. And I was skeptical and I'm a pastor. What if you did that? What if you actually started reading your Bible? What if you joined a group? What if you led a group? What if you connected in a new way to other people and had accountability in your life and relationship in your life you've never had before? A relationship that's moving you forward in your faith, in your parenting, in your understanding of the Bible. 
What if after service, you know, in the back, these are completely free. You grab a faith growth guide and you open it up. And after service today, you find yourself, you, you say, I'm a starting step that's at the top. Or maybe you feel like, hey, no, I'm more of a leading step or a growth step. And you, you, grab, some of the, you grab a book in there that's interesting to you. Or you start doing the actions at the top. Or maybe you watch some of the videos in there and just see what happens. What if you started taking steps? What if you hit go? What would happen? What would happen? Deep down, you know, don't you? It would be intimidating. It would be hard, but it would be good. And it would be life-giving. And that's what I want for you in 2022. I think it's time. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending your son to give us messages sometimes that are hard, that are uncomfortable, that challenge our thinking, that make us consider our priorities, that make us consider where we've been hitting the brakes, but we really need to be hitting the gas. What really matters. To be honest with what we've been holding on to that's death in our life, but what we need to be letting go of instead and grabbing that brings new life. That brings us closer to a new way, a new life, a new Lord. That, that the money that has become a Lord of our life, the insecurity that has so defined us, the loneliness that envelops us, that those days are over and that we're gonna choose life. We're gonna hold ourselves to a new expectation. We're gonna be a light to others. We're gonna be a light because of your love in us. That this would be the year when we hit go. When we don't get distracted by our phones and all the other exciting things in life, but we go after you. Every day we trust you in new ways and we sacrifice in new ways and we love it. We are generous in new ways and it is exciting and we don't regret it because we pursue life. We pursue you. Lord, help that to be 2022 for each and every one of us because Lord, you know what it would look like if all of us in our cars at the intersection all hit go together and we move together, that's what you're trying to get at. That's why you sent your son so that we would find freedom and peace and joy that passes understanding together. And all the people watching this, this movement of cars would say, wow, that's incredible. They're all going together. Look at where they're heading. Look at what's happening in their life. And this would be the year that we do it. This would be the year that we start figuring it out. This would be the year that we start wrestling with it and pursuing the Lord of life. Lord, help that to be this year. Help us to make decisions that move us towards you this year. In your name I pray, amen.